Hello, welcome to the Go Home Podcast. We are your hosts, Mary and Michael Leppard. We have been in the homeschooling world for over 25 years. We authored the Homeschooling Almanac and the Homeschooling Book of Lists. We produced 14 homeschool conventions over the years with speakers such as John Taylor Gatto and David and Mickey Colfax. Our publication, The Link Homeschool Newspaper, brought together all religions and all styles of homeschooling. We began with the idea that all religions and all styles of homeschooling have something to learn from each other. We are producing the Go Home podcast with the same sentiment. The Go Home podcast will focus on all things home. Homeschooling, homeworking, home living, and why Americans are going back to their homes. Welcome to the Go Home podcast. Command of the language is more important than ever, beyond the SAT. People judge you by your speech and word choice. English from the Roots Up, Volumes 1 and 2, and the corresponding flashcards are the ideal tools for developing a broad vocabulary enjoyably. Learning the Greek and Latin word roots used in English allows you to figure out new words successfully and remember meanings of familiar ones. Visit Literacy Unlimited at www.englishrootsup.com for complete information. Today, Michael and I are going to be talking about one of our favorite topics, and that is food. We have both been chefs for over 25 years, and we both love to cook. We've been professional caterers and food lovers for most of our lives. So please join us. We want to give you a few tips about what to do during this time, uh, during the coronavirus, and really any other time to stock your pantry and to just basically have fun with food, save money, and get creative. So enjoy the show today, and thanks for joining us. Welcome, everyone, to the Go Home podcast. We're very excited today because today we are talking. I'm Mary. This is Michael. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hi, Michael. Hi, Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're going to talk about one of our favorite Favorite topics. topics. Food. We love to talk about food. We love to cook and eat. We love to cook and eat. And And we met over food, right? Yes, we did. Like we met in a restaurant in 1979. Yes. And we had our first fight over food. We're not going to tell you what that fight was about. Nope. But it's a secret. <laughs> it's a secret. It's a dark secret. It's a secret. <laughs> it had to do with a Welsh rarebit and a tomato, and and a and a spatula. That's all I'm going to say. And uh, we have been cooking, loving, arguing about food. Me forcing Michael to be a vegan all these years, in and out of all different trips that we've been through, for the whole time we've known each other, forty years. Forty years. And. Uh, food is probably the most thing we have in common, I think, you know, yeah. because we met in a restaurant. He was a chef. I was a waitress. And we we talked a lot about food because we, we worked in a, many, many restaurants together. Yeah, yeah. And he, Michael, was you were more of a high-end cook. Like, tell the re- listeners about what uh, restaurants you worked in. Well, I was trained at Alice's Restaurant in Malibu, which was on the Malibu Pier at the foot of the pier. Um, it's gone now, but at the time I worked there from 1972 to 1980, uh, the main uh, focus of the menu was French, quasi-French, American. See, I remember alfalfa sprouts. My favorite thing to go there for was the natural salad. Yeah. Because I was from Cleveland, and we didn't have alfalfa sprouts. Yeah. But- <laughs> yeah, similar avocados. 
And the avocados. Avocados, yeah. Oh, that salad was so good. And I think, actually, I think Alice's was on the cutting edge of California cuisine. Uh, I know Alice Waters was the true person who invented that style of cooking and eating, but I think Alice's had a few uh, cutting edge uh, things as well. I love Alice Waters. Yeah, she's really I, good. I've taken a couple of her master classes, and uh, her food her, her food does remind me of those early days in Malibu yeah. that, uh, on the class. Yeah. You know, when we would have that lime earth sprout taste. Do you remember yeah, that taste? Right, right. And probably anchovy paste in that salad. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. it was good. But today, we're going to really focus on... Of course, there's no blessing with the coronavirus, but there can be some things that make us really uh, change up what we're doing. And so there can be some good things that we're experiencing during the coronavirus. Yeah, things for the better. Yeah. Like like, cooking at home. Right, like cooking at home. And, you know, because we cook a lot, but we also eat out a lot, right? Right. And we're we try safe. not to. We try not to. And and because we work from home, I mean, we don't always eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but because we're we're foodies, we probably do eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. But we don't always a have of to. Times but, every day. but I mean, think about it. If you ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner at home, you know, sep- you know, that's 21 times a week, which is 84 times a month. I mean, when you think about that, that's like, wow. Yeah. That's a lot of cooking, a lot of meals, a lot of food. So Here's, you better know what you're doing. You better you know? know what you're doing. But I, you know, one thing I'm really experiencing it with this coronavirus thing, because it's so, it, it's really, it's almost like everyone's got to be frugal. And it's not even if you don't want to spend the money or don't need the money, but everybody really needs to be frugal because we. it's hard to get stuff. And I notice now, like, what's the date today? April, April 14th. 14th. Uh, it's getting more and more difficult to get into the grocery store. Yeah. So I'm really thinking about it like when I'm sitting around thinking, oh, because we are vegan, as I mentioned, do I, I made a carrot cake the other night because our son and his girlfriend came over and I, I didn't get the right vegan cream cheese. I got cream cheese with chives instead of regular cream cheese. <laughs> and it's like, do I really want to go back, stand in a line, put on a mask, risk my health and all that? blah, 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 to get, you know, the right cream cheese. So I'm finding that I'm like doing all these adaptations for things and whatever. And so I'm being more frugal. And so I, um, in being more frugal, you want to do things, you know, like um, bowls, you know, like make bowls. I love the idea of making bowls. Like what? Well, like, like you take a bowl and, 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 you know, I actually thought of this before it got popular. Like, I see it all over Santa Monica and Culver City, but I thought of it one time when we were having really bad economic problems, and we had that big, giant rice cooker, oh, and yeah. I just started making things like I'd cook some rice, put rice on the bottom of the bowl, and you can do this if you eat meat or chicken or fish, but then I would put whatever the vegan protein was in the bowl like tempeh tofu or seitan or black beans or chickpeas or whatever. And then I would take, I, I love contrast. So I would take raw vegetables and then I'll take cooked vegetables. And I love to throw raw onions and cilantro on that. And that's- So you layer it in a bowl. You right? layer it in a bowl. Or you can make it look like, you know, a little clump all around the bowl. 
And a great thing that you can do is make sauces, you know, uh, to keep in your refrigerator, even if you want to have them oil-free. One of the best sauces I've ever had is taking bunches of chives and putting it in a blender and just pureeing it until it turns into a green sauce. Oh, and yeah. it's really, really good. Yeah. So have stuff like tamari and ways to make sauces. And one of the best things you can have in your cupboard is wet, dry, wet, mu yellow mustard, simple French's mustard that has, I think French's only has one or two ingredients, but, um, just things to put on those bowls and you can change the bowl up. Like you can have, like, let's play a little game. I'll say a protein and then you have to throw out a vegetable. Lentil. Broccoli. Sauerkraut. Mm, a vegetable with sauerkraut. No, the, you got to throw out the next thing. Like if you're, like we're opening our refrigerator and we go, holy moly, we don't have anything in here. Let's see, Lentils, broccoli. Sauerkraut. Sauerkraut. And I would say- Carrots? Carrots. Maybe shred Shredded some raw carrots. carrots. Yeah. Think contrast, contrast, contrast when you're cooking. Because if you think contrast, then you can make anything taste great. This uh, lady that I know that I cook for, she told me the other day that she has never, ever tasted a carrot before. She's 80. And I said, what do you mean How you've never tasted it? What? How could she not taste a carrot? Well, that's what she said to me. And, and she said, no, I'm not kidding. I have never tasted a carrot in my life. Every time I eat them, they're either cooked to death or when they're raw and they, I can't get the real flavor. She said, but I mean, I'm not going to blow my own horn, but she loved my dish that I made with the <laughs> carrots. And she said, the way you make carrots, which which I do it sort of not overcooked and sort of undercooked, sort of al dente, but soft enough for someone who's 80 or whatever, who has problems chewing. And she said, I have never in my life tasted what a carrot was supposed to taste like. Wow. Now, I want to tell you guys that I it did come from a package of rainbow carrots, and they were really beautiful. You know, you can tell with carrots if... There, am I talking too much? <laughs> you can tell with carrots if they're good, if they have those carrot hairs on them. Because if they have carrot hairs, you know they just got pulled out of the ground and they're not too processed. So oh. this bag of carrots had like a ruby red carrot, a yellow carrot, a bunch of orange carrots. And I just lightly with a brush got the carrot hairs off and I steamed them ever so lightly. And I just threw Celtic salt and dill. And she said she had never tasted carrots. She never tasted what a carrot was supposed to taste like. Wow. That's pretty amazing. I mean, that's kind yeah. of like someone who's never had an organic apple in their whole lives and they're 60 and all of a sudden is that what the flavor of apple is? I mean, that's pretty much what she was saying. Yeah. But anyway, that's why contrast really matters because when you cook vegetables and you let everything go up naturally in the way whatever you're cooking, you don't stir it around a lot, the true flavor of the earth comes out of them. So now we're this is an opportune time for people to really experiment and eat simple. I mean, that's really what I'm saying is seriously to eat simple. Not only that, but it's been shown uh, statistically, scientifically, that eating in restaurants more than, you know, is, is really good for you is really bad for you. 
Um, what do you cause, mean? Well, it like, creates obesity. Right. Uh, you really don't know what's in a dish unless you cook it yourself or you know the person who does cook it. Right. So right. you can go into a restaurant and they might oversalt things. Uh, they might use MSG. Um, they might use, um, you know, animal fat, lard. There's all sorts of things that can be in addition. If you're not really a professional taster, you're not going to know it's there. Right. And uh, until you maybe get home and have an allergic reaction or over time you start to develop, you know, heart disease and things like that. It's way better to just cook, to cook your own food at home. Right. As right. much as possible. And it's also a good time to get the kids or either the husband or wife who doesn't normally cook involved in cooking. And and that's why I like to say to keep it simple because, you know, each meal doesn't have to be so elaborate, you right. know? Yeah. So if you stick with bowls, I want to talk a little bit about soups. And you, what was the third thing I wanted to talk about? Bowls hot pots. And, and, and hot pots, okay? Now, the difference between a hot pot and a bowl like um, last night we were running out to go do something really fast. And I have to confess that I did buy an Instapot and I really, really like it because I can throw a bunch of stuff in it, like kidney beans, celery, barley, two tablespoons of barley, yeah. a ton of spices, and I can turn it on for 11 minutes and make like this incredible stew. Mm -hmm. And so a hot pot is really... It's not even really a hot pot. It's a one pot meal where you would throw everything into one thing and that, like you cook it all at the same time. Like in the last couple of years, like I have a relationship with certain dishes I've made. Like one time I made chicken noodle soup. Do you remember the year? I'm going to say dot, dot, dot right here to take a short break to give you a message from one of our sponsors. Basket weaving is a universal essential element in mankind's history. This craft is very popular today, and for homeschoolers, it provides a central topic for a unit study. While learning the art of weaving, a child can study the materials used in different areas of the world, as well as the history and culture of indigenous peoples worldwide. Let Royal Wood Limited in Ohio be your supplier for all materials and instruction in this ancient and useful skill. Visit www.royalwoodltd.com for complete information. You no. loved that soup. You said you ate oh, it over and over. Oh, it's the one you put too much dill in. Yes. Oh, that I, soup was incredible. The what more year was I it? ate, the more I wanted. You know, it's one of the few times that I I remember the way the sun was shining that day that I, I made ate. that dill. <laughs> the um, soup, the chicken noodle soup. <laughs> let me think. That might have been 1985? Yes, it was 1985. We were live-in chefs for mm -hmm. Mr. Perkins in Malibu, California. He was an attorney. And- he was really a great older man, and we cooked for him Monday through Friday. And I made, I made my chicken soup, my mom's chicken soup, right? Chicken noodle soup. And I op I took the dill jar and I shook it, and half of the jar went into the soup. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I do. I think I was twenty three years old. I don't think I knew really that much about dill. I knew a lot about spices because my grandmother cooked with a ton of Middle Eastern spices, but I didn't know that much about dill. And that soup was unbelievable. It was. It was we incredible. should name that soup, Mr. Dill. Yeah. That like you name a soup like you name a car, you yeah, know? Because right. <laughs> we talk about a particular pot of soup after all these years. So what I'm saying is um, going back to hot pots and to bowls and to soups, 
Those are the three things that you should be thinking of besides when you think of a home-cooked meal. I mean, don't get into thinking, for those of you who are old enough or you remember, you know, the meat, potato, vegetable salad. I mean, you know, the way I was brought up, my mom always made a salad with head, head lettuce. She always made cauliflower or broccoli. She always made a meat and she always made a starch, okay? We, you know, most people don't really eat that way anymore, but we still think of that. I like to think of that as like a Sunday plate, but you can make that when you're at home. You can make one pots, you can make bowls, and you can certainly make a heck of a lot of soup. And you can make sandwiches and paninis and stuff like that. But open up your mind and really get into trying something that you've never done before. And if you're not terribly skilled at preparation, like how to dice things and how to, you know, julienne vegetables and whatnot, um, soup is a great way to go because you can just throw the, the vegetables in the pot and just cook it low and slow and... Yeah, so since we make soup together a lot, I always have you cut everything for me. Right. Right? Right, which I'm very good at because I did it for so many years. Right, yeah, you're very good at cutting. And I, but when I started the magazine in 1995, I, you were at work. And so I was cooking for people and trying to do the magazine and work from home, which which relates to today, you know. But I remember I, started doing this thing and I made up a name for it, which I, I kind of stole the name from Aveline Cushy, but, um, or no, maybe it wasn't her, but it was kind of a macro thing, a macrobiotic thing where I would make, I remember this one particular pot of soup again, this pot was named Roger. And (laughs) it was a black bean, a pot of black bean soup. And I was actually trying to homeschool Lennon and I was talking to someone on the phone and the soup was bubbling like crazy. And I ran in there really quick to turn it down while I was on the phone. This was before the days of cell phones. And I thought to myself, holy moly, I forgot to put the carrots in, but I don't have time to stand here and cut the carrots. And my little boy just ran out the front door and I've got an advertiser on hold. So I took the whole bag of carrots out and I took three of them and I just threw them in the soup. Uh-huh, right. And so I started calling that country cooking. Yeah. Just throw the bag of carrots in the soup because guess what? They get really soft and then you can chop them up with the spoon. And when you yeah. serve someone a bowl of soup like that with a carrot that's not so anally cut, it's just sort of ragged. Yeah. It's pretty good. It, it is. It tastes really good. Yeah, it has a different con- consistency and flavor than if you do dice the carrots small, for instance. So you know. one of the things I really want to talk about too is the um, what you should stock your pantry with. And, and really this goes, again, we're vegan, but even if you're not a vegan, you should stock your pantry with this stuff because you might not, who knows what's going to happen in the future. We might not be able to get into the stores for weeks. So you really want to have a pantry that's full of dried rice. We all know this by now because you've seen it on the news and I, I've been cooking vegan for 25 years and I know... Normally, rice and beans, the shelves are full of rice and beans, and now it looks like everyone's buying them. But it is important to have a ton of dried beans, a ton of dried rice, many different kinds of flour, and wheat if you eat wheat, and brown rice flour is great to have, oat flour, millet flour, any all the flours that you can get your hands on, except sorghum flour. What's wrong with sorghum? Well, you buy that, and I don't like the way it... Oh, it's got a good flavor, though, if you cook it right. 
Did you ever make anything with it though? Or not not with the flour, no. I've just I've been cooking the whole grain and I finally followed the directions on the bag and it turned out beautifully. Tastes great. I just great. feel like I don't like sorghum and I don't really know why. But um anyway, the best beans that you can have are pinto and black beans because uh black beans have about the most protein. And again, even if you're not vegan, in this time when you want to um, have a, a pantry full of stuff that you can keep for two or three months or even longer, beans and rice, as many beans as you can get your hands on. And one thing to think of, you know, because a lot of people are intimidated by dried beans, right? Mm-hmm. Did you have dried beans when you were growing up? I think so. I think my mom used to use them for something. Do you remember? What what did she do? Um, she probably used them for soup. She used to make scotch broth. What's scotch broth? Oh, uh, it's a it's a it's a barley barley mushroom soup with with rose, with beef in it, right? Oh, but it's got almost a taste like butterscotch. Like there's a little hint of of scotchness in it, you know. Mm. And it's really it was really good. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, but she used to make lima bean soup and lentil soup, mm-hmm. and I think that's about it. Uh, maybe yeah, I think that's that's probably it. Yeah. So when your mom made lima bean soup, or um, what kind of beans were in the scotch broth? Um. Oh gosh, I don't remember. Well, when she did make soup, do you think she made a big bubbling cauldron of soup and then threw the beans in on the side? No, probably not. Well, lentil soup, you don't do that. You have to cook the lentils. That's the main ingredient. But lentils are not really beans. Did you know that? Oh, okay. They're legumes. Yeah, right? they're legumes. Yeah. So they're not the same, but because lentils can cook in 20 minutes if you do it right. Oh, okay. You know? but, right. But when I, what I was going to say is in this climate, vegan or not, before you go to bed every night, you should have a couple of jars of things soaking. That's what you should be thinking mm, of. Right. Because, you know, if you have, you know, however big your family is, you want to take like, a half a cup of dried beans for each person. So let's just say you plan to make a black bean stew, a delicious black bean stew with some Mexican flavored rice on the side for dinner the next night. You know, a, a bag of black beans costs about $1.40 to $1.80 now. And you can feed with a bag of black beans, you can feed like four people with mm-hmm. that or even more, especially right. with rice. Yeah. So I really, really recommend that before you go to bed every night, you say to yourself, what am I, what's soaking? You know, like you say to someone, what's cooking? Right. You soak the stuff before you go to bed. Especially rice is really good to soak. Mm-hmm. Oak groats are good to soak. And all the beans are very, very good to soak. And so have stuff soaking. So something that ordinarily might take four hours to cook with tons of preparation with soaking and water, it's ready to go. Yeah. When you soak it, when and also put tons of water because beans tend to soak up the water. Always rinse the the water that the beans are soaking in and have several soaked jars in your kitchen. And you can keep them soaking for a couple of days as long as you rinse the water off. And so that's one thing to do before you go to bed at night. And to um Stock your house with a lot of whole grains, barley, millet, quinoa, brown rice, basmati rice, white rice, sushi rice. There's so many things you can do. I mean, really, honestly, for $75, you could feed a family of four to six 
for an entire month if you bought the grains the right way. And there's so many different places to buy grains that are inexpensive. Where did you guys get grains when you were growing up? Uh, just a regular grocery store. I don't know. My mom always bought instant rice. I don't remember her ever cooking real rice. Oh, she never cooked whole grains? Mm -mm. But what about when she made scotch broth? Isn't that well, barley? barley? She's barley. Right? Yeah. Because right. I remember my mom buying that barley that looked really little mm -hmm. in the little bag all yeah. the time. Right. Yeah. That's and what it was, yeah. So always just remember to have a lot of grains on hand. And there's... Um, there's a great website called 1000springmill.com and they have a lot of organic bulk stuff. And then another thing to really have on hand is, well, I would recommend getting a dehydrator and dehydrating vegetables because that way it can also stop you from going to the store multiple times a week. And then you don't have to freeze the vegetables and then you you can have them in bags dehydrated or stainless steel containers or whatever you want to do to keep vegetables dehydrated and go to the store and buy tons and tons of vegetables. And so I recommend northbaytrading.com for dried vegetables because they sell dried vegetables in bulk if you don't want to invest in a dehydrator. But also that's a great thing for kids to do is get the vegetables ready for a dehydrator and dehydrate fruits and vegetables and all sorts of things mm -hmm. that you can do. Right. So another thing I recommend doing is sprouting during this time. And no matter where you live, if you live in a one-room apartment, you can grow your own sprouts. You also can grow your own vegetables in your apartment if you really want to do that. But I love the sprout people, not the sprout people, but sproutpeople.org. And you can make all sorts of sprouts and you can get all of the, um, all the um, equipment that you need. Did you make a lot of, did you guys sprout your own sprouts at Alice's? Yeah. Yeah. The chef um, had a, an herb box outside, right outside the kitchen window. Oh. And he had tons I of I remember herbs. that herb box. Yeah. Was it that big? It wasn't that big, but it was big enough. And he made a pot one time of Italian uh, of tomato sauce, you know, pasta sauce. And I couldn't believe it. It was like it came alive in my mouth. I'd never had fresh herbs before. And, oh, uh, right. Oh, man. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Sprouts. I mean, I remember coming to California and experiencing avocado sandwiches with sprouts right, and cheddar cheese and wheat bread. And pepper sprouts are really hot. What kind and of pepper sprouts? Like like um, uh, green pepper or jalapeno or pasilla. If you sprout those peppers and, you know, pick the sprouts when they're sprouts, oh, I didn't. they're really well, hot. Well, that's something you've never told me. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about it until just now. I was just thinking about it. So how, where did you have that? Uh, I don't remember. Somewhere in Malibu, one of the restaurants I worked at. So I wonder if you could take a pasilla pepper or a bell pepper, any of those peppers, dry the seeds and sprout those seeds. I would think so. So, I mean, that's a really beautiful thing because you can make a green, crunchy, fresh vegetable from doing those sprouts. Right. I love that. Yeah, yeah and they're really, uh, the spiciness is, is different than the, the actual pepper itself. Wow. Yeah. I want to try that right away. Yeah, we should. So other things, um, you know, we were going to talk a little bit about people, the history of people eating in restaurants, because I think one of the great things is that we're not eating in restaurants. Yeah, it's I mean, even though better. I feel bad for all the restaurants, because I love yeah. restaurants, and my whole life was carved, and I'm made out of restaurant 
thinking and restaurant, everything I know practically. Yeah. 30% is from restaurants, but I love restaurants and I don't want to see them go out of business, but we're losing weight and we're not spending that much money because none of us are making any money. Right. um, What did you find out about Well, the USDA has data that shows that over the past 30 years, the food that we eat away from home in restaurants and fast food chains has grown substantially in 1977 people obtained approximately 18% of their daily calories from food away from home. Wow. 18%. But by 2012, that had jumped to 34%. So it's nearly doubled in that period of time. I think it's more than that now, though, don't I, you? Well, that was 2012. That was six years ago. So, yeah, I'm sure. No, 2012 was eight years ago. It's 2020. Oh, you're right. <laughs> oh, Mr. Math Wake steps up. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, eight years. Oh, I'm sure in eight years, it's it's probably 45% now, I'll bet. I'm going to say dot, dot, dot right here to take a short break to give you a message from one of our sponsors. Novari Science is the new option for schools and homeschoolers looking for a rigorous, mastery-based option for middle and high school students. Novari brings fresh thinking to science education, employing strategies and methods that emphasize long-term retention of content. You'll find beautiful, hype-free graphics combined with clear, concise, up-to-date narrative. Novari is now available through Classical Academic Press. Go to classicalacademicpress.com and use code HSM podcast to get 15% off your Novari purchase. That's interesting. And I think, you know, we're going to really experience, well, one thing that's going to happen is that we're going to really experience our creativity is really going to grow in the kitchen, which will make our tastes for stuff in restaurants be so much better. Yeah. And, um, it's just going to enhance our food experience in many, many ways. Yeah. You know, and also we're going to appreciate restaurants more because those of us who don't cook are going to really, you know, love what goes on in restaurants, right. you know, and appreciate and respect it more. You right. know, it's pretty amazing. But it'll also improve it. health. Yes. It may not, it may not in this short a period of time. I mean, hopefully the, this COVID thing will be over soon, but it, uh, it will, It'll jumpstart a lot of people's healthier eating. Right, right. You know? Exactly. Well, and the other thing, too, is that not only is it healthier to eat at home, I, I'm sure people are spending more family time together mm-hmm. because, gosh, I remember when I was a kid, um, you know, I miss, like, I remember big Thanksgivings and doing the dishes with all my cousins, you yeah. know? And it's like you really miss everybody cooking together, everybody cleaning up together. And when I was growing up, you know, even if though it was like my sister's job to do the dishwasher, my job to set the table, and usually the boys didn't have to do anything. And my little sister was probably too little, but we all had our jobs and we felt like we were part of a team, you know? Also, I think there's a psychological value to eating together more. Yes. Anthony Bourdain said something to the effect that the table is the common denominator to all people everywhere. Food is what can bring us together no matter what our other differences might be. And sharing a meal, we become one family. I love that. Yeah. And he I was, love that. The, the show that he was doing that he said that was a, he was in a Muslim home in somewhere in the Middle East. Wow. And, you know, <clears throat> there was no, when they were at the table, there was no politics. There was no difference. They were all eating out of the same dishes, you know, family style. And uh, that's what prompted him to say that is, you know, that's the one thing that can really knock down all the barriers that separate us all. 
Yeah, I think that's true. And I also think that, that like when you actually think of people um, sitting around and eating together, I forgot what I was going to say, but sitting around and it just conjures up so many images in my mind, but people sitting around and eating together. And I think now modern people, a lot of modern people have their things like their Facebook feed and their little stuff Uh and their this and their that. And I am making fun of it because I think it's caused like a narcissist society and it bugs me a lot. And I think that people also have their special food that they eat. Like I've been in houses. I was listening to this thing this morning. I'm not going to say where I heard it. I almost woke you up because I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Uh They were talking to this woman about how she had to go all the way to Texas to help her mom and dad because her mom's got dementia and the COVID virus is freaking them out. And I thought it was kind of propagandish because they were making it sound like everything she had to go through was so hard. And so one of the things she said was, you know, my dad, my dad's, you know, he doesn't have dementia, but he's really upset because he doesn't understand why we cannot get his bread and we can get my mother's bread. And the interviewer said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, my father has his special bread and my mother has her special bread. (laughs) It just really made me laugh because I actually, I'm not that old, but I do remember my grandma making bread from scratch. And I remember when my mom, my mom didn't really make bread, but um, she, a family of five kids, she didn't buy two or three kinds of bread. No. You know what I mean? So no. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like when when we were growing up, we ate what was at that table. Yep. And we used to get four loaves for a buck <laughs> at the day old store. <laughs> that filled but, it up. But I'm saying, did your mom give choices to everybody about what to eat? Of course I guess not. My point is, is that having to eat food together now instead of living the restaurant life a good 80% of the time is really, well, because when people eat the same food, their blood is the same. And they also exchange oxytocin. Right. That's a really good thing that they do. They exchange different hormones that make them feel comforted. And so I think even though the coronavirus is horrid, there are some things that we can take out of it that are really, really good. And so the last thing I want to talk about is soup. Soup is an amazing thing that um, people have been eating for, there's evidence that people have been eating soup for 20,000 years. And, you know, some of the research I've done, like they, the reason they say 20,000 years is there are places in Africa that they have found these pits that were dug with animal hides in them and evidence of a, a mixture of liquid that had different weeds and different herbs and animal bones and stuff boiling in it. And so when it dried, it sort of left a residue that they could they can evaluate. And so soup is something that people have been using forever as a source of food stuff. And so I just want to encourage people to really experiment with soup. Soup is so easy to make. Oh, and if you want to watch some of my videos, go to vegancookingonline.com or vegancasa.com. And I have two websites with a lot of 
information about especially making soup, but cooking vegan food mainly. And if you want to put meat in, which I don't recommend, you can follow all my recipes. But when you saute the onions and the celery and the savory stuff, just add whatever protein you want. And so I really recommend making soup a lot because you don't want to waste anything ever, but especially during these times. And so I would I would encourage people to make any kind of soup. Like what's your favorite soup? Mine? Oh, yeah, you. Gosh. Well, <laughs> chili, your chili. Oh, chili? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought your mom's was better than mine. No, my mom's was good, but hers had meat in it. You know? But yeah, but you liked so, hers better though, right? Well, flavor-wise, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the chili I made last night was good though. Really good. Yeah. And uh, lentil soup. But soup though. Chili's Lent- more of a stew. Lentil soup. Lentil soup. I like. I like that a lot. And um, oh gosh, let's see. Like barley. Do you like mushroom barley? Oh yeah. Right. So there's all the soups we know, like split pea, mushroom barley, black bean soup. There's so many different kinds of soup, you know, but I also encourage you to say, oh, I'm going to make soup. I'm not even going to think about what kind it is because there's rules with soup. Saute the savory vegetables. And if you don't want to use oil, you can sweat the vegetables without the oil. Saute what you've got. Onions, celery, mushrooms, a little bit of a little bit of radish greens and you throw it in the bottom of a pot and you cook it low and slow for a little bit. And then you, you say, Oh, I don't really have anything else to make soup. I think I'm going to put a cup of millet Mm -hmm. in there and a chopped up squash. And then I'm going to follow the rule. If you want a thick soup, it's five to one cups of water to grain. So if you put a cup of millet, you'd put five or six cups of water. If you want a thin broth, which is my favorite, you would put 10 cups of liquid to one cup of grain and then put as many vegetables as you can think of. But right now, I just I just challenge you, Michael, to mm-hmm. make up a soup right now. Just make it up. Make up a soup that well, you've never thought of. Okay. Well, I mean, a vegetable soup is easy. Um, I know, but like, let's make one up. Let's make one up because I can think of, you know how you make up a soup? You think you've got two, three elements to soup. You've got the broth, you've got the sauteed hard vegetables. Those are the savory vegetables. And then you've got the other vegetables that you throw in. And then the big basis for the soup. So I'm going to make up a quinoa soup because I never, I just thought of that. Go for it. How do you make (laughs) 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 quinoa? No, I want you to make it up with me. Okay, like let's say I'm going to saute, I just thought of it. I'm going to saute red onions, okay? Mm-hmm. In? Olive oil, salt, okay. pepper, and I think I'm going to put some turmeric in it because I think that sounds really good because mm. I wish that there was an Indian soup that was vegan and I just thought of it just now. This is what I'm trying to get the listeners to see. You can make up soup, just like you can make up a sandwich. We're all stuck to the same old things, peanut butter, right. bologna, or whatever it is that we do, tofu, you know, tempeh sandwiches, whatever, meatloaf sandwiches. But let's make up some soups. Make up soup. You know, saute the vegetable, put a cup of grain in there. And then I don't know if this would work, but I'd be very gutsy to take a can of tomato soup and then... I know you're giving me a weird look. That sounds no, weird. No, that might be pretty good. Millet and tomato soup. I no, know it's quinoa, tomatoes. but oh, millet quinoa. might be good too. Quinoa, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, millet would be definitely be, would be would fly. So yeah. really, listeners, what you really need to do is stock your pantry, 
open up your mind instead of always cooking a Sunday plate with starch, salad, vegetable, and and the typical things that we're used to on the old-fashioned food pyramid. Do that. That's fun to do once a week. Mm -hmm. Make a bowl with five or six different things in it. Always have something cooked. Always have something raw. Always have something lightly steamed or sauteed. Anything. You Mm -hmm. just throw it all in there. Make a one pot. Throw anything in a one pot. Make a stew, which we didn't talk that much about, but it's kind of like a one pot. But make soup. Make soup. Soup will. That's why soup's been around mm-hmm, for yeah. twenty thousand years or more. I think soup's been around forever. It crosses all economic barriers. It co- crosses all economic and barriers. Another wonderful um, aspect of it is that since a soup, a broth soup, is mostly water, it's very good for dieting. But you don't right. go hungry. Right. It's filling, but not high in calories. Yes, that's very, very true. And it's also great. I mean, I really love soup. I One thing I'd like to say, for anybody who has a gluten intolerance and is supposed to avoid gluten, um, if you buy a soup in a can, a cream soup, especially even if it's non-dairy, be careful because a lot of those soups are, are thickened with flour, wheat flour. Ketchup is also thickened with wheat flour and so is mustard. Yeah, that's a good point. And you can buy gluten-free ketchup and mustard right. as well as a, a commercial soup. Well, I don't really recommend buying canned soup, although it's good to have on hand. But it's yeah. it, canned soup is, first of all, it's horrid. Yeah. But second of all, it is, it's like paying a million dollars for something that you could get for $3, uh-huh. especially if you've got a big family. I mean, it's oh, a yeah. waste of money yeah. beyond belief. Yeah. I mean, the only thing it's good for is... Um, earthquake or yeah. you know this this time during the virus and all of that so you have stuff on your shelf but there's so many other things that are better if you're going if you want to have canned stuff which is like you know beans and dry grains stuff like that right and remember to soak every night before you go to bed whether you're a vegan or not yep. what do you got soaking you know right. and so I mean I guess you know I guess that's really all we wanted to cover and we want to say to stay safe during this time and to make soup, soak before you go to bed, stock your pantry with as many grains and beans, and get really gutsy with making sauces to go over bowls and making different kinds of soups and and having everyone in your house help you. That's one of the best things that you can do. We're going to post the website addresses of the companies that that sell bulk foods uh, that Mary mentioned, plus a few others that she didn't mention. So yes. go to our website and and see what's what's there. And please visit my cooking website, vegancookingonline.com and Vegan Casa. And thank you so much for listening to the Go Home podcast. We love all of you very much and stay safe. Thank you. And we'd like to say bon appétit. <laughs> <laughs> say it like Julia. Bon appétit. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for being part of our show today. The Go Home Podcast is a production of California Incline, LLC. Our producer is Lennon Leppert. To find out more information about today's podcast and going home, please visit our website at gohomebook.com. If there is a topic you would like us to cover, please email me at mary at californiainclinellc.com. Thanks for listening.